Well, I was honored to be asked to preach this morning. I was, because I saw something on the internet that I will read to you now from Stuff Christians Like. Anybody seen this site? Stuff Christians Like. The everyone is going on vacation, anything goes sermon, <laughs> a.k.a. tomorrow. It's a poorly kept secret that when people are out of town or there's a big holiday or it's summer that your church is going to do things a little bit different. That is, with a large portion of the congregation out on vacation, they might mix it up a little bit. For instance, a lot of churches, the younger ministers are asked to preach because the senior minister knows that it's a lot safer for some rough-around-the-edge minister who might say something crazy to 400 people rather than 800 people. I was honored till I realized that I have been selected because there's less risk on today. So what's your problem? Obviously, I've got plenty that are known by others. I grew up before the age of a lot of heavy medication. Uh, this was back in the 70s. So a lot of you grew up around the same time. We're, we're a fairly medicated society today, right? Pretty medicated. Just about anything you want to cover up with some medicine, you can go and get it. Now, before I get into this too much, understand that I know there's a huge difference between clinical and coping and convenience. When we're clinical, we need medication. When we're coping, it's a little bit questionable. But when it's just convenient, we really just don't need it. Now, chances are pretty high. I'd say upper 90 percentile. That when I was growing up, I needed to be medicated. I don't, I don't think there's much doubt about it, but it didn't exist. It just wasn't around. I don't know what I would have been on. I was a moving target anyway. Chances of anybody catching me for long enough to medicate me would have been a challenge. They wouldn't have given me Ritalin. They would have used an elephant tranquilizer. There would have been teams sent out after me. We see him in quadrant three. I've got him. I've got him. He's down. He's down. We use two doses. It's probably 10 minutes, worth 10 minutes. That's it. You know, that was my issue growing up. Now, some of that spilled over into adulthood, but obviously today I'm very stable. So we can tell that there's just, there's been a big move. It's been a big move since those days. Listen, we've all got problems. We've all got issues. What's hard is trying to keep those covered up. That's where all our energy goes as we look out here in the world and it seems like everybody's normal, but they're not. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a weirdo. <laughs> Listen, nobody argued. Nobody argued with you, right? You said that to them and they didn't go, no, I'm not. They're like, hey, that's it. We've all got problems. We've all got issues. Well, this morning, we're going to begin by looking at Gideon's problems. Gideon has some problems. Turn to Judges chapter 6. And if you've got your Bible, follow along. You can use your phone to follow along if you want to do that. Uh, none of the passages are going to be on the screen. And none of really the major points are going to be on the screen. So when you take your outline out, write down anything you want. 
anything that strikes you, anytime that you say that's me, write that down. I'm not going to formulate all of your thoughts this morning because I don't even know where they're coming from at this moment. So Judges 6, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The Israelites did evil when? Again. All right, so this is their pattern. They've got a pattern of doing things. They've got a pattern of having problems. I think we do too. For seven years, the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midianites. And so the Israelites prepared for themselves shelters and mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. Verse 6, Midian was so, Midian so improvised the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of the Midian... He sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt, from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I'm the Lord, your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak tree in Ophrah that became, that belonged to Joash where his son Gideon was threshing the wheat and the whitened press to keep them from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of the land of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Verse 15. But Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Gideon's problem, he's, he's surrounded by this stronghold, by this army. The entire Israel is impoverished, and they're weak, and they feel helpless. And he is threshing out the grain in the wine press. Because Midian, if they were going to be looking for wine, they would look in the wine press. So Gideon at least is a little bit smart, right? He said, I'm going to hide in the wine press with the wheat, with the grain, and we'll protect it. And so the angel shows up and proclaims, mighty warrior. But Gideon says, what's going on? Why have we been abandoned? And on top of that, I'm from the weakest tribe, and I'm from the least within my family. Have you ever felt like that in the kingdom? Have you ever felt that you're the weakest? Have you ever felt that somebody else's faith is strong and we have testimonies of things that happen and you're like, well, that hadn't happened to me? And somebody gets up and talks about their faith in the Lord and you're like, wow, I don't feel, I don't feel like my faith is very big. Or we read passages where it says that the Lord was amazed by their lack of faith. Or patches, passages where it says, oh ye of little faith. Or passages that say, if you had faith of the grain of mustard seed, you can move the mountain. And you're like, my mountain isn't moving. My mountain seems stuck. I must not even have mustard seed faith. Have you ever felt small? Have you ever felt little? Have you ever felt powerless? Have you ever felt like your life was overwhelming and you just weren't able to push through and you weren't strong enough and you wondered where God was? And Gideon says, where's God? I'm hiding in a wine press with wheat. Where's God? Where are his promises? Where are all these stories that I've heard about? All these things that he did for everybody else that he's not doing for me and he's not doing for us. 
What's going on? I don't get it. And I don't know why you're talking to me. Because if something was going to change, you wouldn't talk to me, God. You'd talk to somebody who was stronger. Somebody that was more powerful. Somebody that didn't have all these problems. Right? You ever feel that way? Raise your hand if you've ever felt that way. Yeah, I think most of us have. It's the way we feel, powerless and weak and small. But there's God's promise, and in your handout it may say God's prescription. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down and we will strike down all the Midianites together. God's promise or his prescription is not, all right, Gideon, here's the deal. We're about to put you in faith training camp. We're about to send you off on a faith retreat. We're about to get you on a 30-day Bible study. We're about to sign you up for 24 hours of prayer. He says, go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength you have. That's all I need is the strength you have. All I need is that you're willing to go out in the little bit that you've got. I don't need you to change before I use you. I don't need you to have this strong measurement. I don't even need you to believe in yourself. I only need you to believe in me. Go in the strength that you have. I'm going to be with you and we will defeat them together. Now, this is a pretty good rallying cry, right? And if it was us and the Lord said that, you know, we would have the expectation that we should be filled with this mighty faith, right? And from this point on, we're going to go out and do some crazy stuff for God and everything's going to work out and everything's going to be fine. And we're going to be on display as this mighty person of God and everybody's going to be going, wow, look at them. Buddy needs to call them up, get them for a testimony. It's getting crazy. Look what they're doing. But guess what? That's not Gideon's story. Gideon's story is not this story of from this point on that he got the command. He's suddenly so filled with faith that he goes around saying, got a vision, had a one-on-one with God, gave me an assignment, and now I'm rocking it. Y'all better step back. It's about to get crazy. Isn't that what we expect, though? Aren't we expecting to get that voice from God and suddenly we're filled with this power and all of our fear vanishes and all of our problems vanish and suddenly it's all good? Well, check this out. Assignment number one, verses 25 and 26. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, cut down the Asherah pole, Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord, your God, on the top of of its height, using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So his assignment is to tear down and build. Tear down the false gods, build up the real God. So that's his assignment. Now notice what he does in the next verse, 27. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. Sounds awesome. But because he was, he was, he was afraid. Because he was afraid of his family and the men of town, he did it at night rather than the daytime. So his assignment was go and tear this stuff down, build it up for God. His action was he was obedient, but he did it at night because he was scared. He didn't get a voice from God and suddenly he's like, 
right, fellas, listen, got the voice, it's daytime, we got to do this bold. We got to do this strong. We got to do this in a way that's so visible that everybody knows that this is God. Instead, he's afraid. Now, he's obedient, but he's afraid. Just because we're obedient to God does not mean we're not going to be scared. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be afraid. It doesn't mean that all the pieces are going to fit together and suddenly we're filled with this spiritual force and we go forward like nothing can hold us back. It's said that people who give their their lives on the battlefield and are held up as as honorable and held up as brave and others who, who ended up making it through the battlefield when they're interviewed and they are asked, how brave do you, how, how did it feel to be so brave before you committed that act? Or how brave was your friend before he gave his life? And almost across the board, they say, we're not, we weren't brave at all. We were terrified. We simply did what we knew we had to do. We simply did what had to be done. And so we hold up people in esteem thinking they've got all this bravery and all this courage, but often it's fear in the middle of doing what they have to do. Being obedient to God does not mean that it's always easy and it doesn't mean that it's always fearless. So yeah, Gideon was obedient, but he was afraid. All right, second assignment, 33 through 35. Now I'm skipping over a lot of passages. I'm gonna trust y'all to read that this week. Now, all the Midianites and Amalekites and other eastern peoples joined forces across the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abyssalites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. Assignment number two came through the power of the Spirit, is a call to arms. The second assignment was a call to arms. So here's Gideon, mighty warrior, hiding in the wine press, sneaking around at night to fulfill the command, and he blows the trumpet because of the Spirit of the Lord. I don't know if you've ever had the Spirit of the Lord come on you, but I'm imagining that there's a lot of confidence in the middle of that, right? There's a lot of a feeling of, of I'm excited to be doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment. Have you ever done something that you felt like really wasn't you? It was out of your character. You talked to a stranger you normally wouldn't have. You stopped and helped somebody on the side of the road. It wouldn't normally be anything, but you felt that the power of the Lord was really calling you to do that. And so you went and did it. And so Gideon blowing the trumpet was not in Gideon's personality. This was against his wiring. So the spirit of the Lord was on him and he blows the trumpet and he assembles this army. It's time to go to battle, right? It's time to get out there and do some great stuff for God, right? You know, at this point, surely Gideon's making this breakthrough because he's actually felt the power of God on him. There can't be any turning back. Verse 36, Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you've promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all around the ground is dry, I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, just as you said. 
And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. That's pretty cool, right? He's had the Spirit of God on him, but he's like, "Mm, don't know if I'm ready. I'm going to need a little fleece. Have you ever felt like the Lord's calling you to do something, but you're like, we better test this out. We better, you know, pray, Lord, if you really want me to do this, I'm going to need more of a sign. Anybody? All right, a handful of folks, others like, yeah, but, you know, I'm not going to admit that in public because that would seem odd. You know, I've done that. I'm like, Lord, if you really want, I need something specific. I need to see something because this is so outside of my nature. I'm I'm not going to do this otherwise. This is the guy in the wine press. This is the guy that's the least in his family. It makes sense that he asks, even though you would think by now, having been commissioned, having heard the voice of God, having received the power of the Spirit within him, you would think he'd just go out and get the army cranking. But he doesn't. But now he's got the fleece. And the ground is dry and the fleece is wet and he squeezes it out. I mean, that can't be anything other than God, right? Right? Gideon's ready. Gideon's like, uh, don't be angry. Let me make just one more request. Allow one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. And that night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. What? What, what in the world? At what point does God go, get it? Listen, listen, you felt my spirit. You've heard my voice. I did the dry ground, the wet fleece. That's enough. But what's God do? Okay. Okay, if that's what you need, that's what I'll do. And he does it. And so the next chapter is about the actual battle. Verse 7. Early in the morning, Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all of his men camped at the spring of Harad. The camp of the Midian, of Midianites was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people, anyone that trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. Gideon called him a big old army of Gideon. Bunch of Gideonites showed up, didn't it? He's like, y'all come to the fight. Gideon attracted a bunch of folks just like him. God says, if you're scared, just go home. 22,000 leave. You know, Gideon had me going, what? This is crazy. At least the Frady Cats could have maybe joined together and formed one warrior. But nope, they go home, 10,000 remain. And the Lord says to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water. I will sift them for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told them, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men 
lapped with their hands to their mouths. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. They went from what, 30,000, 32,000 down to 300? Now, if you're in camp and you're 300, and there's provision for over 30,000 people, you're getting a good picture of what your chances are. You're getting a pretty good feeling that things are not going to go well. Now, you're not going to go hungry. There's plenty of stuff to eat. We got 30,000 folks worth of food. But the plan was, in their mind, to get 30,000 out there for the battle. And there's three hundred left. How are you feeling about now? You feeling strong? You feeling like you can do it? Are you feeling like we're in trouble? We're kind of in trouble. You know, each of us can have like a thousand swords each. You know, we can do all this ourselves, right? No, they're, I mean, they're, they gotta be panicking. And this is what the Lord does next. Now, the camp of Midian laid below him in the valley. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, go up, go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. Listen to this. I love this scene. If you are afraid, if you are afraid, He doesn't say, by now you shouldn't be afraid. By now you should just accept the command. By now you should just do what you're told. By now you should be strong. Some of us, some of us have been in the Lord a year. Some of us 10 years. Some of us 20 years. Some of us 30 years. Some of us 40 years. Some of us 50 plus years. Raise your hand if you've been in the Lord, been saved for more than 50 years. That's a pretty good number. But I guarantee you that there are still days that you're afraid. Days when you think, I need to share the gospel, but something hangs up within you. Days when you feel like you need to reach out and serve, but something hangs up in you. Days that you feel like you need to step out in faith, but something hangs up in you. God says, I have given, it's done, it's accomplished. I have given Midian into your hands. It's fulfilled. There's nothing more to be done. There's nothing more that you need to do. All you have to do is reach out there and take it. I have given. But if you are afraid, If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. 
So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand of the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent was overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hand. And when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped God. So God's assignment was go and take the camp. The action that Gideon took was to go and eavesdrop. His action was to eavesdrop. God said, hey, I've given it to you, but if you're afraid, you don't even have to go to the camp alone. I will send a friend with you and you can go and listen to what's being said. Now, most of us, because we're kind of spiritually arrogant and most of us want to act like we got things together. So if the Lord had said, hey, if you're afraid, go down to the camp. Most of us would be like, go down to the camp. I trust you. Lord, I trust you. We come in here, we'd sing, we'd raise our hands. About three of us would clap. We'd be like, I, I trust you. I, thr- I trust you. Inside, we're scared. God said, I'll give you an out. Go down, just listen. We'd be like, I trust you. Why? Because we don't want to look bad spiritually. We don't want to look untrustworthy. We don't want to look like we don't have faith. This is the leader of the army. The leader never wants to look weak. The leader never wants to look less than. But Gideon's like, Pura, let's go. Let's go. He didn't fake it for a minute. He didn't say, God, I just trust you. He didn't say, Lord, I trust your word. I don't need to listen to the words of man. You know, we'll even feel guilty sometimes. We'll pray, pray the Lord about something. But we're unsure, so we'll call somebody and say, well, what do you think about this? I'm working on this decision. And us preacher types might even say, why are you going to your friend for counsel? You need to just listen to the Lord. That sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Just listen to the Lord. You quit asking other people. God's like, go and ask some other people. You don't trust me, go ask somebody else. We'll try to find your confidence. He goes down, he listens. And when he hears not God's word from God, but he hears God's word through man, it says that he worshiped. Finally, finally there's a moment. Finally there's the breakthrough. He worshiped. He worshiped. He goes back to the camp. He says, get up. The Lord has given Midian into your hands, dividing the 300 men into companies. He placed, listen, they're about to go to battle. Be ready. You ready to face your week? You ready to be armed? Went into the 300. He placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. All right, y'all go take the camp. All these swords that are laying around, all these shields that are laying around, forget it. We're going to give you a pitcher, a trumpet, and a torch. Good luck. 
You know, most of us have been like, you have, you know, why did I not leave with the first quadrant? When they said people were afraid, why did I not leave then? Why in the world did I drink water like this? Why didn't I get down on my hands and knees? I could have been at home right now. I could have been at home. What you going by? I'm going to break y'all up in the groups with your pitcher and your trumpet, trumpet and your torch. And I want you just to have a, a good, we're about to take Midian. It's about to get crazy. And you know the story. They don't technically take Midian. Midian took themselves. Because chances were, with an army, there might be one trumpet, one pitcher, one torch per hundred, maybe. So when 300 trumpets blew, when 300 pitchers were dropped and shattered, when 300 torches showed up and it looked like the camp was surrounded, and to each person that trump and that and, and trumpet and that torch and that pitcher was a multiple, they felt like they were dead. They felt like they were gone. It's the worst an army has ever been armed. And yet God was victorious. The action that Gideon finally took, he took after getting reassured by somebody else. He said, watch me, follow my lead. Follow my lead. I just came down and I was scared. Don't follow that lead. Follow this lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow their trumpet, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout for the Lord and for. For Gideon. For the Lord and for Gideon. There's one word that is never used in this passage. God never called Gideon a coward. Never. And when Gideon said, for the Lord and for Gideon, God didn't break in and say, Gideon, come on, man. We've had a tough time. It's taken a long way to get you here. Don't shout your name out. Your name needs to be quiet. Just shout my name. For the Lord and for Gideon. And they win. Because of God's power, they win. And Gideon goes on to be a great leader, a great judge for the Israelites. He goes on to do great things by God's power. But this isn't one of those stories where we just track this great man of God who took every step right and his faith was so bold. He questioned almost every step of the way. And God led him. Down at the bottom of your sheet, it says... What's your problem? What's your problem? I want us to think on that just a minute. What's your problem when it comes to why you're not as obedient as you need to be to the Lord? What's your problem? That you're not out there fighting for the Lord as much as you feel like you need to. What's your problem? What's your holdback? What's your reluctance? Is it lack of faith? Is it imperfection? Is it feeling too sinful? Is it feeling unforgiven? Is it you've got something against somebody else? What's your problem? What's the holdback? I think we all have that, guys. I do. I do. 
I feel weak. I feel small in the kingdom. I don't share my faith the way I should. I know what my problem is. What's your problem? Write that down. Look at that blank and write that down. I'd encourage you to write it down physically. If not, at least write it down mentally. Let's think about that a minute. Got it? Got your problem? God says, I can use you in spite of that, and I want to, and I'll call you. And if you need reassurance, I will reassure you. I'm not going to discredit you because you're not as strong as you want to be. You're not as powerful as you want to be. So whatever your problem is, God says, I'm going to take care of that. We're about to sing uh, a few songs together. And these are songs that really speak to God's power because it's not about our strength. It's not about how strong we are, how good we are, how powerful we are, but it is about him. The Midians were destroyed not because Gideon was a good leader. Midian was destroyed because God is a great God. He can use us in spite of ourselves, in spite of our problems. So as we sing these songs, if you want to confess something this morning, you want to be prayed over this morning, we want to pray for you. If you want to be saved today, there's no greater power than the power of Jesus Christ to rescue us. Or if you want to sit there and sing and praise God, I want to encourage you to release it. I want to encourage you to sing about his strength and his power and his authority. And I want you to claim that this morning in the middle of your problems. And I'll do the same. If you have a need at all, come forward. If you want to sing and praise right where you are, let's do that. Let's stand together and sing.